0: Yes, yes, y'all, it is your boy, T2, Conversations of the Heart. Man, oh man, going to speak to my brother Joel, the money man, the money man, the finance coach. Mel, what up? Um, It's going to be a good conversation, I'm looking forward to it. It's financial literacy month, so we're going to get the best in the business. Come talk to us Here here he is right now
1: Yo You said best in the business Don't be lying to these people I gotta
0: Listen There's one thing that people Know about me Is that I'm honest with the people I'm all the way honest with the people. And when I say the best in the
1: business, they know I ain't lying. (laughs) That's a a fact. It's a lot of pressure, bro. So, you know, let me stick my best out. It's a lot of pressure out here. I like it. Let's do it.
0: Take your flowers while you can get them, bro, because that's a real thing. Um, Happy financial literacy month. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I want to have this conversation. I kind of want to revisit, you know, when we first did this thing, um, we were in the middle of a pandemic and we still are, yeah. but it was just the beginning of us kind of get you know, building. And, you know, now that I got a few more followers, um, just a few, and now that you done popped off, I mean, you know, the YouTube, you know, the, you know, Death Freak, like you on another level, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's, it's come full circle from when we first started this whole thing. And um, so I kind of want to, want our new listeners to kind of get to know you kind of revisit some of the you know uh the pillars and things like that 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 you have um and go forward. You know, but first man, I just want to say man, cheers to you and all of your success. See my cup? Um my cup? see the cup. Oh yes sir, yes sir. Yes cup. sir I got a you know I got this. Okay, cool. Um <laughs> yo Mel look look at look at those books and both your backgrounds. Yeah man yo we definitely be reading. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, so financial literacy month. So, I want to start with the, the three pillars for you, um, of financial su- su- success, and I just want you to kind of explain that again re- and revisit that because I-, I thought it was super important and super dope.
1: Yeah, sure. So, one of the things, so full and you know, full disclosure to everybody, I am not the one who made up this uh 70 30 rule. It was actually done mm-hmm. with Jim Rome. I read a book from from him the other day. Um, or a while ago that he explained the 70-30 rule. But the 70-30 rule means that you live on 70% of what you make and the other 30% you allocate a proper way. The whole point of the 70-30 rule is this, that a part of all that you earn is yours to keep. You make yourself a priority in life. That is the whole point of the 70-30 rule. So you live on 70% of what you make and the other 30 you can break up into 10s. So you have yeah. individual buckets. On a high level, it's your savings, Another bucket is going to be your investments. And the third bucket where I always lose everybody is charity, right? right? So you start off with your savings. So let's do this from like a numerical standpoint. Let's say after taxes, you make $4,000 a year. I mean, sorry, $4,000 a month, right? So when uh-huh. you make $4,000 a month, that means that 70% of that is $2,800. That means you try to live on $2,800. The mm-hmm. 1200 that's left over, you can break up evenly into threes. That's $400 a bucket, right? Right. So the first bucket, you take $400 every month, right? And you put that into your savings. Now, why do you do that? Your savings is where you preserve your wealth. That's not where you invest it, right? That's where you preserve mm-hmm. your wealth. That's where you make sure when Murphy's Law comes around, you protect yourself, Right. That's where you make sure you have six to nine months of expenses or three to six months of expenses or whatever everybody tells you. But that's where you need to make sure you preserve your wealth, right? That's when major expenditures become minor inconveniences, right? The second bucket, the other 400, you'd put into your investing. See, your investing bucket, that's the one that gets everybody's eyes open, right? That's when Mm -hmm. everybody's going because that's Mm -hmm. where your money makes you money. Now, your investing bucket is different. Your investing bucket doesn't have to just be stocks, right? It could be anything that accumulates more money for you. So houses, a lot of people like to go into real estate. A lot of people like to go into stocks. A lot of people like to go into loans. Some of you have personal businesses, right, that you have. So you can put $400 into your business. That's what that Mm -hmm. second pillar is for. The second pillar is to grow your money, right? Mm -hmm. Now, here's a quick caveat for everybody. Make sure that your savings bucket and your investing bucket are two different buckets. Mm -hmm. You do not use your savings to invest. I'm going to say it again for everybody. You do not use your savings to invest. Your savings is not there to be invested. It's there to preserve your wealth. Your investing bucket is where you actually grow your wealth. The last one is charity. Now, I'm a full proponent of this. We talked about this a damn near the first time we ever did this. I said my Mm -hmm. purpose in life is to educate minorities, specifically Black people, on how to be better with their money so that they can be charitable, Mm -hmm. right? The charity part is where we can help each other, right? It forces you to to do two things. First of all, it forces you to not think about yourself, okay? We live in this world for maybe 60, 70, 80 years, and then we're gone. But we need to have an impact on each other, specifically as Black people. Mm-hmm. So it's my opinion that that money should be able to go to somebody to help someone. Doesn't necessarily mean church, right? I think right. of church. I'm religious. But at the end of the day, it can mm-hmm. go to anybody, your family, your friends or whoever. Um, mm-hmm. But that money is where you use the money to help other people. That is the whole objective of it. That is the reason why you have that bucket. Now, the second reason why you do it, it forces you to budget. Because now that you're departing with money that you're not going to do anything with except help somebody else, you need to know what you're going to do with the other part of the money. So that's the Mm. whole point. 70-30 means you live on 70% of what you make. The other 30% savings, investing, and most importantly, charity.
0: Mm. And that's dope, man, because, you know, I'm big on the charity. Um, I'm big on helping others. And the one thing that I know the last time you said, too, was that also – Yes, you know, like different charities that you have in church and things like that. But also, you might help somebody's business. You might in, in, invest in your friend's business, right? right. You know, um, or pay a bill for them, you yep. know, or do something like that that directly impacts their life, right? Or they might have kids and you might say, hey, you know, put this in, in your kid's college fund or whatever fund that you have for them, right? right. Um, so those are things that I thought that was um, definitely dope. Uh, what did Mel say? Mel said, I read The Blessed Life by Robert Morris and started tithing as my first fruits.
1: It's been a game changer. and gave God my first 10% and he blessed the other 90 because this is dope. Dope, dope. I mean, if you think about it, it's been historically documented how much mm-hmm. charity can help with your budget. It is not, a, it's not a coincidence to everybody. When you read autobiographies of people who become incredibly rich, right Mm -hmm. incredibly wealthy i should say because rich is different rich can come today and leave tomorrow but wealth is sustained over time the people Mm -hmm. who become wealthy always have a discussion about charity every last one of them and the reason why is because you get what you put out right Mm -hmm. you actually get what you put out as it pertains to your wealth so when you give money you get money it I, i can't explain it i'm not it's not some hodgepodge But that's what happens when you give money, you get money. And one of the Mm -hmm. things I always loved about um, the charity bucket in particular is that as you're getting your money right, you get to help somebody else do the same. And what do you think is going to happen to them as you're helping them? They're going to want to do the same thing for somebody else. You see, too many times I think we as a culture, we as black people wait on the government to to help us when that's Mm -hmm. not the case. Look at all the nonsense they did with the stimulus checks. Right. I mean, they told us they were going to give us the stimulus checks since November. It was April when, or March when they did that. That was five months later. And you're, mm-hmm. you're waiting for the government to help you. We can help each other immediately versus waiting for the government to do it. So, like I said, for me, it's always going to come down to savings, investing, and charity. But don't forget the charity part because that's as important as any financial decision you make. I'm going to say it one more time so everybody can hear me. Mm-hmm. Being charitable is as important as any financial investment, savings, house, whatever decision you make, it's as important. Dope.
0: Shout out to DJ Teddy Grams. Shout out to um, an incredible educator, Lenny on the check-in. Appreciate you, bro. Um, so let's talk about strategy. So so somebody says, Joe, I hear you, Seventy thirty. I, I I hear what you're saying to me, mm-hmm. but I'm in debt. You know what I'm saying? I can't afford to do that. Can you help me, what are some of the strategies that can help me to pay off debt so that I can be more charitable?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing you need to do is be on a budget, right? Mm -hmm. That's the scary boogie word that everybody doesn't like to hear. You need to be on a budget. I don't care if it's on Excel, on Word, on paper. I don't care what it is, but you need to be on a budget. The misconception about a budget is that somehow it's restrictive. What people don't realize, and I can lean in when I say this, a budget creates freedom. Mm -hmm. because you start to tell your money what to do, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of times we let the money tell us what to do. We tell the money to feel anxiety. We let the money tell us the depression. We let the money tell us the loneliness. But we don't ever tell the money what to do. That's what a budget is. So that's the first thing I would say is to do a budget. Because you know what happens? A lot of times Mm -hmm. when people go on a budget, they start to realize they're overspending in something. The same people who say, damn, I got mad dead. I'm always like... Are the same people who go out every weekend and bowling out of control at a brunch those are the same people who got two gym memberships and never go those are the same people who like <laughs> spend frivolously on amazon i've helped people where their budget where they put money away in savings every single time and then randomly out of nowhere um they're spending mm-hmm. money on amazon and not saving and they wonder why it's not accumulating so the first mm-hmm. thing you need to do is get on a budget Immediately, I don't care if you you make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't make. I don't care if you make fifty or less. You mm-hmm. need to be on a budget because you need to tell your money where it's supposed to go before your money tells you where you're supposed to stay.
0: Mm. Can can you repeat that? That was a good one. That was a quotable actually. Go ahead. You need to. Te- I, want hit, I want to hear that one again. Yeah, sad.
1: you need to tell your money where to go before your money tells you where to stay. Jeez, Christ.
0: Uh so we're gonna just leave it right there then brother. I mean All
1: think right. about it. Think about it. Your <laughs> money your money tells you where to stay. Your money tells you what you can't afford, your money tells you where you can't go on vacation, your money tells mm-hmm. you when you can't buy your girlfriend, your wife, your fiance what you want because it's restricting you, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to make sure we tell our money what to do. Your money mm-hmm. is your worker and it works twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, and it doesn't have a holiday or Christmas or anything. So put mm-hmm. that dollar to work. Mm-hmm.
0: Shout, shout out to Paul, man. Brackenville Books, man. He, he's, yo, he got some amazing books for kids, man. Shout, shout out to him, bro. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, man. Um. Bet. So you kind of touched on it a little bit um, just now. The depression. Yes. Um, the anxiety. Yeah. The, men- the mental health part of this whole thing, right? Yep. Like, talk to us a little bit about how, like, your money, your financial situation affects your mental health, your emotional health, and, and everything. Like, how does it affect that?
1: Sure. So I did some research before this, right? When, when we was talking earlier, even yesterday, where I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out what things we can talk about from a mental health standpoint as it pertains to your money. The first mm-hmm. one I'm going to talk about is the loop. Okay, the first thing is this. If you have poor mental habits, right, poor mental health, I should say, that's going to probably mean that you're going to have bad financial money management. Right. So that's the top of the spear. Right. Or the cycle at the bottom of the cycle means that your bad money habits are going to lead to your poor mental health. And the cycle just goes round and round and round and round and round. The problem is, is that your mental health has an immediate impact on the way that you handle money. Let's take anxiety, for example, okay? Do you know how many people still don't know their credit score or their credit history? It's not, because, a fact. It's not because they're idiots. It's not because that they're, they're being, you know, inconsiderate or they're not trying to be an adult. It's because opening the credit score gives them anxiety to the point where they break down, to the point where they cry, to the point where they feel that their heart is coming out of their chest. I've seen this in person, okay? That's anxiety because people are afraid to deal with it. See, what they do when they have money issues, is push it to the corner and they ignore it. The same people that are in the club with you popping bottles and having fun and doing all this type of stuff are the same people who go home at night at three o'clock in the morning and wonder what the hell they're gonna do with their money. Right. So that's mm. anxiety. Anybody who's ever dealt with depression. Right. Think about what depression does to you. Depression basically says, I don't want to do nothing today. I don't feel good. I don't want to. I'm done with everything. And you mean to tell me that now that someone on depression is going to try to think about how to do their finances. No, right. Not even close. Right. How about um, his. Here's, here's my favorite. Think about loneliness for a second. This one irked me when I looked this one up. Mm. isolation imagine someone who decided that they're going to get their money right they are going to decide to make their money right they're going to get out of debt they're going to be on the budget they're going to do what they need to do in terms of expenses they have decided and what are we supposed to do clap for them but Mm. birds of a feather flock together we learned that since high school the same mm-hmm. person who decided to get their money right is the same person who's laughed, ridiculed, and made fun of by their friends because their friends haven't made that decision. You see, when you get your money right, you have to tell your friends, I have to stay home. I can't go to Vegas. I can't do this. Can't do that. They make fun of you. They laugh at you. They ridicule you. They push you to the side. They kick you out the chest because they know you're going to say no. What does that do to somebody's mental health? Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? What does it do yep. to them? Right It puts them in a bad place, so what you have to understand is that money is more about behavior than it is about mathematics at the end of the day. If you don't have your mental health right, you're going to have a lot of problems. like I got a bunch of statistics over here that when you look at it it's it's insane
0: mm. and you and you made a good point about that, man, because when you are depressed, when you are going through things. Because life happens to everybody. Life happens. Life is happening to everybody Mm -hmm. at some point. People are dealing with loss of income, deaths in the, especially now, you know, deaths in the family, people losing their mother, their grandmother, their father, like all in the same, what's in the same year span, Mm -hmm. right? And you're right. And when your money's not right, and when you're going through these things, the last thing you want to do is talk about budgets, finances. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that's going to add an extra layer probably of depression if it's not right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and we live in a society to where now, especially with, um, you know, social media. And I mean, look, this happened way before social media too. Yeah. But people do ridicule you. You know what I'm saying? From keeping up, you know what I'm saying? With everybody else with, you know what I'm saying? With just saying, hey, I can't do this. Oh, he's broke. Yeah. Especially for men, Right. Women, yeah, women's a little different, right? But especially for men, though, because it's more like, yo, he's broke. He, he, you know, he ain't got it. You know what I'm saying? He's supposed to be balling with us. Yep. Right? Yep. Because we got to pop the bottles in the club, right? Yep. To do what? To yep. get the girls' attention,
1: right? Yeah. Think about this. And I- <laughs> think, think about this, right? So oh, to all the women that are watching, I'm going to give you guys a secret. And don't ever use it. And don't ever, like, t- you know, send this back to me as far as I'm concerned. For me, hey. Yeah, seriously, stop. But <laughs> pay attention to what I'm going to say. You want to insult a man, you do it two different ways. Okay? The first one is that you tell him that he's broke. The second one is telling him that his sex is trash. That's how you get to a man. Notice how I said broke first. I didn't say sex, I said broke. You see, when you tell a man that he's broke, you're basically emasculating that person. Right. It, like, broke is subjective, by the way, right? The majority of us sure. are broke. But for some reason, when you tell someone that they're broke, when you look at the English language, the synonyms are are down and out and, and hard up and all this type of crap that they say. When you say that someone is broke from where we're from, you're disrespecting their manhood. So it's a difference when it comes to mental health, especially among men. See, women are a little bit different. A little bit, yeah what I realized with women in particular is that they have the right temperament. The most of the time they have the right temperament as it pertains to actually managing money, because for some reason they can separate the pride and the ego and, and and all this type of stuff. But when it comes to men, it's rough, bro. Well, I, I, it's true. But when it comes to women though, too,
0: it's like, there's, there's always the stigma with men of what we have to do. Right. And not saying that women don't, but it's like when it comes to dates and stuff like that, yep. who pays? The guy, I, I, you know, I'll I do that, right? Mm-hmm. And then they tell you, well, if you're broke, then don't date, right? All that type of <laughs> stuff, right? You <laughs> know what I'm saying? That's, you know, that's a real thing, right? So it's a different level of responsibility. You, you know what I'm saying? That that And and the bravado that, that comes with us because it's like you're the provider. You got to take us on the dates. You got to do this. You got to show out for us in the club. You got to, like... And it's like, oh shit, oh, well, I got money over here for the days, I got money over here for the bottles, I got money over here for this. And then you're sitting here like, well, goddamn, my, like I don't have, I ain't got nothing left for me. Yeah. Right? And while yeah. while she is like this, yeah, I'm good. I got money's in my second account, money's over here. I'm good. Like like she's holding on to. So she's saving it because that's just the nat- that's just the natural way that things are. Yeah. Right? So that's where that, that so that's where a lot of that mentality comes from. Yeah. Right. Which is which is understood. Right. But and then so that comes along with the whole pressure of, man, like I can't look broke or I shouldn't act broke, man. Even if I don't got it, I still got to front like I got it because if I don't, she's going to call me out. My boys are going to call me out. And now
1: it's just now I feel less than think about I feel it. Less than. Think about that. Right. Think about what you just said. The mm-hmm. Perception of looking broke mm-hmm. mind you uh-huh. all y'all are broke but the perception of looking broke scares people the perception mm-hmm. the, the mere perception of looking broke will cause somebody anxiety depression loneliness all the nine yards keeping up with the Joneses for example right until you mm-hmm. trying to realize the Joneses are broke right you're keeping up with a facade you're keeping up with a fake life right Social media, you mentioned earlier, what does social media do to your money? Do you understand? I have to log off this thing during the day. I have to, because it's going to cause so many different emotions. I've never seen so many experts on several subjects in one hour in my life, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to money, right? You have the pressure of dealing with the clothes that you wear, the cars that you drive, the house that you have, and this is coming Mm -hmm. from someone who's debt-free, and there's still pressure. (laughs) Fuck that fuck, bro. Right? Right. Like Think about how bad that is. Think about someone yeah. I mentioned before. Think about the woman or the guy, for example, the single, the single guy who has a kid and decides they want to get their life right. And then they go on social media and everything they see is everybody's rich and happy. And then when mm-hmm. they go to their apartment and cry for two hours because they think that they can't do nothing, they, that, this is their mind. Yep. This is what they see. I've had people hit me up, friends of mine, frustrated. Because they're not seeing progress on their finances as quick as they want to be. Here's 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 something, a gem for everybody. It is much quicker to mess up your finances than to get it right. It's much Mm -hmm. quicker, okay? You can mess up your finances tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? You can just go buy a car you can't afford that you can't pay for every single month, and that's it. That's how you mess up your finances. But look how long it's going to take you. It takes you years. It took you four years to build up your student loans. It takes you 30 Mm -hmm. to pay them off. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's a fact. I'll tell you a statistic. So first of all, and this is where it gets a little grim, but first of all, the amount of people who commit suicide every year, when you look at the statistics, they are eight times more likely to have debt. It's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, One in 15 people who have student loan debt thought about committing suicide because of the debt. Now, when you do Mm. the numbers behind it, that's about 6.67 or like 7%. Now, 7% doesn't seem that bad. Let's put this into bigger terms. As of January 1st of 2021, there were 45 million people in this country that have student loan debt. That equates Mm to $1.7 trillion in debt, okay? Okay. Now, using the number of the percentage I just told you, 6.67 of 45 million is 3 million. So let me put this very clear for everybody. 3 million people in this country have thought about committing suicide because of their student loans. Mm. And you wonder why mental health is just as important as anything else as it pertains to your budget exactly. and everything. Mm.
0: I want, do, you, do you know the breakdown of the percentage of men and women? Oh, what that looks like?
1: No, I I could probably get it. We could post something like that, but I can get the I can get mm-hmm. the information on it. I mean, when you look at it from demographics, when you look at it from race, it it gets worse. When you look at it from age, right? So, for example, the age of of severe mental health is oh, think about the ages now. It's from 18 to about 29 is the the age where most people you know who are in that depression category suffer from depression. Yep. When you came mm-hmm. out of college, what age were you? About 21. That's when you started to realize day. all this debt is you're accountable for now. Mm-hmm. So and you're- like, th- Actually
0: fast, too. When you're working at CVS or Walgreens or Foot Action, Foot Locker, whatever, you're making like $8,000 an hour. I mean, back in the day, right? Um, yeah. And you're like, damn, man. Like, it's a lot of debt I got on me, man. You know what I'm saying? Think about, <laughs>
1: and, and think about You're not able to live the life that you want. You're not able to buy the house that you want, the car that you want. You're not able to do what you want. So what does this country allow you to do? It allows you to dig yourself into a debt yep. grave.
0: Right. And also it, it comes down to, oh, a lot of it's what you're taught too. Hey, listen, go to school, go to college by any means necessary. Yep. When you come out, you're going to just have it. Right? Not understanding that the jobs that that job market that you that you're going into oh i, I want to have experience, they want you to have experience, yep, and if you don't have the experience, then we're really going to lowball you, but it's like yeah, but my student loans are, is like four fifty a month if that. but i only but, but I only take home like nine hundred or if nine hundred a month or whatever the case is, and I got phone with this and I got a, a car or a note and I got this it's like at that point it's like yo, know, i have you know, but my mama told me. My daddy told me <laughs> that I go to school, come out, everything's gonna be all right. Nobody really furthers the conversation, right? It's because there's another level of a conversation that should happen besides that yes. of what happens when you come out. Are you prepared to get a job? Yes. First of all, do you even know how to interview for a job? Do you have a resume? Correct. Right. Like, like, do you have experience? Correct. Yep. What are the expectations coming out of school? Because the expectations for a lot of people coming out of school was, I'm going to be on. Yeah. Come out of school, I'm making a lot of money. Yep. I'm going to be on. Yep. But then when you catch the reality of it, it's like, yo. Yep. First of all, I don't even know if I still want to do this. Correct. Fact. And that's another thing. You right. know what I'm saying? You, you went to school for one thing, and then you ended up saying, yeah, but I kind of like something else
1: facts now think about and you don't
0: to go to That's
1: think, crazy. right so a lot of people go number one when you go to school you usually don't know what you want to major in until two years into college and then usually two years into college when you figure out what you want to major in it's not the job that you actually have at the time when you come mm-hmm. out right so a lot of people went into college let's say for example and this is not a knock to anybody but let's say you go into college and you have a sociology degree or a psychology degree i these people didn't become psychologists Right, mm-hmm. they had to take that degree and try kind of figure out where they want to go and how they need to make money. And what they realized right. is that I'm always a big proponent of getting the degree. I'm always going to be that person, right? But what they don't realize is the return on their investment is going to take a very long time. So if you're mm-hmm. paying, for example, ninety thousand dollars a year for a job that is never going to get you ninety thousand, you know, at at, at any time. Like, it makes no sense. I have friends and people that I know that went to really expensive schools. Columbia, for example. They come out with $150,000 in debt. Their payment every month is the equivalent of my rent. Okay? So you wonder why these people have to sit there and they, they deal with the struggle and they live a minimalist lifestyle because they, they, they can't live any other lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? People make excuses. They make They make everything under the sun to deal with their debt than to look at the face and say, I made this. I made this mistake. This is on me. But I'm always going to be a big proponent that just because you got yourself in that situation don't mean you can't get yourself out. Right. right. You can do what you Mm -hmm. need to do. Just understand that it's going to be a lot harder. You know what's going to happen? The generation behind us is going to know so much about debt, finances, student loan debt, all this type of stuff because we had to go through it. Now, the mm-hmm. question is whether or not they do something about it. But like I mentioned to everybody before, there's $1.7 trillion of debt as it pertains to student loans. This is going, it's, it's a bubble that's going to be a severe problem in the future. I don't know how they're going to, they're going to handle mm-hmm. it. It's going to be an issue.
0: Well, the one thing I do want to say is, yes, the, the generation is going to know more. Um, about student loan debt and about finances and, and things like that. But they'll only know it because of people like yourself, people who who take the time out to kind of give this information for free. Um, who cares about the people who, who who cares about all of the generations, ours and the ones that's coming up behind us. Yeah. So that's a testament to who you are as, as a person to come on here Um and give it away for free. They, they can go on YouTube, check out your page, and learn a bunch of things that we never learned. So, again, man, that's kudos to you, bro. Thank you. Right, bro. Um, so I had a question from Mel. She said, what tips can you give towards rebuilding wealth after divorce? My legal debt is sky high, so what's the first steps
1: can I take to reset the foundation? Number one, go on the budget. Number two, <clears throat> that's the first thing. Number one, go on a budget. Number two, if your mental health is an issue, if you feel like you're just kind of dealing with the fuck, you know, excuse my language, but if you're dealing with the bullshit from, you know, the the the, the divorce and, you, you know, you're having those, those things, make sure that, you know, you get somebody to talk to as part of your mental health because your mental health is what's going to get you through the third step, which is start attacking your debt, right? You're going to ha- your budget is going to tell you what you can afford. I'm going to say that mm-hmm. again. Your budget is going to tell you what you can afford. I laugh every single time someone tells me when they go buy a car, the people at the dealership are telling them what they can afford. Like these people, Mm -hmm. they budget, right? Right. So the whole point behind it is that you want to make sure that when you're on a budget and that your mental health is here, right? You're leveled and you understood why you did what you had to do. Then you start attacking your debt, right? There's ways that you can pay off your debt, the debt snowball, the debt avalanche, Right. But the first thing you need to do is you need to redo the budget because now you're the only breadwinner in the house because it's just you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure that, you know, you can afford and this may look, this may mean that you need to downsize. It may mean that your life may, may need to change. You may need to learn the power of no. That what my cousin always told me. Right. The, his favorite word in the English language is no. What, what if there's kids involved? If there's like, kids, you
0: know, because that's, yeah. that's, that's a, a different layer. Yeah, I mean, mean, you can say no to certain things, but
1: once kids are involved, they're expensive. You know, kids are extremely expensive, but you need to Mm -hmm. say no around it, right? Everything around it. It's going to be tough for a while. It is. And -hmm. I think that's the thing. I'm I'm a big proponent that you still have to live your life. You still have to live your life. You only get one shot at this from what we know. Until somebody comes back and tells us, yo, you can do this again, you only get one chance at this, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to live your life. But at the end of the day, you made an adult decision. Whether it's the divorce, whether it's student loans, whether it's the car payment, whether it's the house, whether it's the kids, every single one of those decisions was an adult decision. Therefore, mm-hmm. you have to deal with those issues as an adult. Right. So that may make sure mm-hmm. you're on a budget, make sure you look at your finances, make sure you take care of your kids. Try to live as close as you can to seventy thirty. If it's ninety-seven one, one and one for a while, then so be it. Right? But what you start to realize is this the habit is worth is more than the mathematics building the habit of paying yourself first building the habit of saving building the habit of investing every month building the habit of being charitable is something that never goes away so start doing that now so that when you do get everything out you can live your life Mm.
0: that's powerful so you know everybody, you know, they want to get rich quick. You know, you know, they do the, you know, we've, you know, people, day trade, you know, the instant investments in stocks and Bitcoin and this and that, all that stuff. Right. And there's a place for that, obviously. Right. But the one thing that you always talk about is becoming a millionaire, three or four one K. Yes. And a lot of people might say, dog, come on, you tripping. Like yeah. that's no, nah. like, there's gotta be a stock, there's, there's gotta be investments, whether it be index or day trading, whatever. Like, there's gotta be something that that can get me to the bag, yeah, quick. Because what, what you're talking about is like thirty years. I don't even. I don't even know if, if I'm gonna see thirty years, right? Like, like you, you get all those that you get all those type of uh, comments and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, kind of break down for the people, just as far as how do you truthfully 401k
1: equals millionaire? How do you break that down? Sure. I mean, so there's two ways of doing it. Number one is that if you were to read uh, Chris Hogan's book, which is called mm-hmm. Everyday Millionaire. I know he's going through mm-hmm. a different things with Dave Ramsey. That's a whole different story. But if you ever mm-hmm. read his book, he surveyed millionaires in this country, about 80% of them. And what he realized is that 80% of the millionaires in this country became millionaires, not from flipping houses, not from mm-hmm. you know, buying the first stock, not from the salary that they made. The Mm -hmm. most people who became millionaires in this country became millionaires strictly through their 401k. Okay, so that's Mm -hmm. the first example, right? There's the statistics behind it. Mm -hmm. But here's the math, right? Let's say, for example, you're 35 years old right now, and you have zero, Mm -hmm. don't know, nada, uh, nothing saved for your retirement. And you wanted to save for your retirement because you were seeing me and Terrence blow a bunch of hot air about retirement. And you wanted to start saving. So what you did was you saved $800 every single month, right, that you put into your retirement, right, before taxes. And you said, I'm going to do that for the next 30 years, right? You're 35. So 30 years from now, you'll be 65. Hopefully, you can retire. Now, 8 times 12 is 96. So let's just say $9,600 every year goes into your retirement for the next 30 years. And let's assume that the market's going to give us a return of about 10%. Matter of fact, 7%. Okay, let's just say it's averaging 7% every year for the last 100 years, let's just do that. Now, how much do you think you're gonna have at 65? Now, you know where this answer is gonna go because I'm gonna say it's close to a million dollars. But let's get even more specific. If I assume, I said $9,600 every year, let's just say 10 grand because I don't have a calculator in front of me. 10 grand times 30 years, is roughly $300,000. But right. I just told you that you're going to be close to a million dollars. That means $300,000 produced $700,000. Mm-hmm. You more than doubled your money and that is the effect of compound interest.
0: Compound interest.
1: Right. People don't realize that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think people don't realize that and they don't want to realize that. I think, one, because it's like, it's like I just said. It's like, ah, uh, like that's thirty years. I'm gonna be sixty-five and be a millionaire. Like, am, am I, am, am I gonna be healthy enough to, 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 to see that? Um, you know, or yes, you, of course, you could pass it down. But I, but what about right now, Joe? What about right now? Right. You know, um, that's. I think that's where I think I, you see a lot of pushback.
1: Yeah, because they want to live for today, right? That's what they want to um, do. You want to live for today? Because guess what, my problems consist today. Right. Not 30 years from now. It consists today. And if right. I tell these people, well, your problem consists today because of decisions you made 10 yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. So why not thank yourself for tomorrow and start mm-hmm. planning ahead? Now, right. you can flip stocks all day long. You can buy and sell houses all day long. You can do all that. But there's one quote that I always remember. It's the people who have no business risking money who risk money. You risk money. okay and that's something that i don't people like you put yourself in this position whether we can call it systemic whatever it is we could we could talk about that on a deeper level but at the end of the day you made adult decisions to get to this point right if we're going to treat each other as an adult and for some reason we want to rip the band-aid off because we're impatient about money and we just want to fix it tomorrow because we've become accustomed to doing things quickly when it comes with money. If Terrence wants to go buy a car tomorrow, all he needs to do is go to a dealership, put no money down, sign a couple papers, and you come home with a brand new Benz. Mm-hmm. Okay? But to pay off that Benz, it's going to take you seven years. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? So we need to stop living just for today. You can, prepare, you can do what you need to do today, but make sure the present self is taking care of the future self because eventually the future is going to look back at the present and say what the hell did you do right right like 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 at the end of the day i'm 37 turning 38 okay at the end of the day i can look back at the decisions i made at 28 and say that was a good job so now when i get to 48 i can say that's what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. right you need to make sure you're not just living for today because at the end of the day i don't know about y'all but i want to be alive at 65 facts i don't know about y'all like i still want to be here so that means i got to mm-hmm. prepare myself and there's a there's this is this conversation about generational wealth mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can't have generational wealth if you're not trying to build generational wealth generational wealth doesn't come from just flipping one stock man that the shit don't happen like that mm-hmm. it happens once in a while like it's a blip on the screen cool but yeah, it it's is, not yeah. normal yeah. wealth is built over time you can be rich tomorrow. You can be wealthy later, uh-huh. right? I'm going for the later. I ain't trying to be rich tomorrow. I give you, I give you a quote. There's a, a quote from Jim Rome that said, if I give you a million dollars, you better become a millionaire quickly. Otherwise, you're going to lose the money. What he meant by that was if I give you a million dollars tomorrow, but your mind isn't created for a million dollars, you're going to end up giving me all the money right back. That's why people mm-hmm. who win, win the millionaire... The majority of them go broke in five years.
0: Be nice at facts. Stop listening to Roaring Kitty.
1: Yeah, that's online. Yeah. So people who sit mm-hmm. there and, and look at all these like stupid ass um um I, I don't want to disrespect them, but like these forums or whatever from random people, mm-hmm. taking financial advice from random people. Think about this. Right. You work so hard for your money that the first thing you do is go online. And take advice from random people who you don't know so that you can make money. Tell me where this makes sense. Tell me. Tell me where in logic this makes sense. You worked the hours. You didn't see your wife. You didn't see Mm -hmm. your kids. You're the one that worked overtime. You're the one that wasn't with your friends. And the first thing you do is take advice from somebody random on the internet? I don't Mm -hmm. get it. I don't get it. Mm.
0: So I've realized, you know, there are certain things that you know, with you being of course, you know, debt free and you've been doing this a, a long time. I I noticed that you sometimes like you don't really give people too much advice about like stocks and yep. what, and what to invest in. Mm-hmm. What what you do is give them a plan. Yes, to how to get out of this situation so that they can in, invest in whatever they choose to yeah. Invest in and to create a better life for them, and that's what I think is so dope about you is because you could, you could tell them what to invest in. I mean, I know your investor investor portfolio is kind of crazy, <clears throat> um, and, and so you know, but you could, but that's not really the goal. The goal is to create habits. Yes, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the goal is to create positive habits, changing habits, changing behaviors, and so that now we could all now start to be debt-free and start to kind of be able to have the ability to hand down wealth to right. your kids or your friends or your family or whoever it is so mm-hmm. that we can now just, just become better people. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I think that's what I find to be dope about what it is that you do. So with that said, if anybody needs a finance coach, please, <laughs> holler, holler, at, holler at my man right here. He's no. not going to plug himself. So I'm going to so no, I- plug him for him.
1: No, but you bring, up a, you bring up a good point, right? Which is you can make a lot of money and a lot of followers by telling people what to invest. A blind mm-hmm. monkey, okay? A blind monkey could have thrown a dart at the Wall Street Journal last year and made money, okay? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed how quiet it's been with the investing people lately? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't hear from them as much anymore. You don't hear of them saying, yo, buy this, buy that. You don't hear that anymore and let me tell you why. You see, what happened last year was a lot of people started investing for the first time. And they made mm-hmm. so much money because everything they bought went up, right? Everything, mm-hmm. they, went up, everything they bought went up. So you start to mm-hmm. suffer from what's called confirmation bias, right? You start to have the confidence mm-hmm. bias. Like you start to look for things that already build your, your confidence in what you're doing. And mm-hmm. you think that you're just never going to lose money. And then sometime in February, you started to lose money. All the mm-hmm. stocks that you bought started hold, punching you right in the face. And mm-hmm. everybody got real quiet. And what they started to suffer from was what's called loss aversion, which is in, in behavior and in behavioral finances. What that is, is that the loss of money hurts more than you gaining money. I'm going to say that again. Mm-hmm. Loss aversion means that the, law, the, the, the effect that you have of losing money actually hurts more than the happiness you get with making money. So mm-hmm. all these people that started to lose money took the money right out of the market because mm-hmm. it hurt. Because one day they turned on the TV and said, damn, I just lost 10 grand. What the hell is this? This ain't fun no more. Right? right? Mm-hmm. So I spend a... Mar- the reason why I don't talk about investments, the reason why I, I don't really go that route is specifically because I spend more time studying behavior than I do actual finance, right? The reason why is because you're going to sit there and listen to me if I say, buy this stock. Mm -hmm. When it comes to real wealth, what you realize is not just the investing part. Remember the three pillars I mentioned? That's just one. You know what people did? They took the savings pillar and they funded the investment pillar. So what they did was they basically started to rewire their brain. I'll give you an example. There's a book that I read that said if you were to sit down and take someone who day traded, right, and put the the nodes on their head and all this kind of stuff, and you were to look at their brain, and you were to look at the dopamine that's actually going on in their brain at that time, right, Mm -hmm. when there's trading and all this kind of stuff, and you were to compare that with someone who was addicted to crack cocaine, what you would realize is that the brain waves are exactly the same. People who day trade all day long, the people who sit there trading all day and, and are obsessed with the market have the same brain activity as someone who's on cocaine. It's the dopamine that's firing. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the dope. So all these people think that the market was supposed to do what it did last year as if it's normal. That's when everybody was like, nah, you stupid if you don't know what you're doing. They, all of them are quiet now. So that's why I don't. Me personally, that's why I don't. Because investing is very, very complicated. It's not just reading a chart, right? That's why mm-hmm. I tell people just put your money in the ETF and call it a day. Because you got shit to do, right? You don't got you. You're not, you're not going to sit there in front of the screen all day. Like we got the, you got kids, you got wives, you want to go on dates, you want to go to brunches, you want to go to happy hour, you got work. You don't got time for all this. But mm-hmm. that's why I, me personally, that's why I don't. I can run circles around the people who do. Trust me when I tell you. But I don't because at the end of the day, if you're trying to help minorities, yes, part of your money should go to investing. Part of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not everything.
0: And you probably think, and you would and you would probably know that, I guess, like, when it comes to the investment part, it's like when you said people pull money out of their savings. And they throw it all into the market, hoping for, you know, this big return. And some people may have bought, I may mean, have gotten it. Yep. But for a lot of people, you took the money out from your savings, right? And then you put it into the market. And you don't really know what you're doing in, in, in the market. And then you stay too long. And now, and then you come up with a loss. Yep. So now your savings is significantly cut short, if not depleted. Yep. And, and then that, And then that creates what? yeah depression
1: yeah so what they call that right what they call that is they call it um regret aversion that's another bias mm-hmm. in finance so regret aversion is when you hold on to a crappy stock that's losing you money but you're holding on to it because you don't want to sell it because you're afraid of the regret you're going to feel if you do mm-hmm. It. Mm-hmm. Right? this is why it's very hard to beat the market over time i have been like me and terrence talked about this before i've been investing for close to 15 years I've seen all of this before, right? I was was there during the 2008 recession where, you know, people were losing all their money. I saw what Mm -hmm. happened in 2000 with the tech bubble. I saw what happened with Bitcoin when it popped in 2017. I saw what happened with houses. Anything that's quick flips, like we have to, yeah, you could take advantage of it, but never lose sight of what the ultimate goal is, right? You have a lot of people who made money last year. God bless them. Okay? because last year I had to just stay quiet and say, you know what, have fun, right? But this year you don't hear people talking as much. You don't see mm-hmm. it because now when the market starts to go sideways, people are like, yo, this don't this makes me nervous. Because remember, last year you could you could have bought something one day and it went up the next day, and then mm-hmm. it and it would have been cool. I had people text me, people hit me on my DMs. One poor girl lost ten thousand dollars, ten grand, and she was like, yo, I'm depressed. And the first question I asked her was, do you have a savings? if you don't like so here's okay the only investment advice that i've probably said on multiple videos if you don't have three to six months of expenses at least saved up you probably shouldn't be investing first because it's gonna hurt if something goes wrong that you have to sell your securities to fund it i'm not saying that like if you do the 70 30 rule fine do it that way but if you really want to get heavy into investing make sure that you're protecting yourself so that if something were to go wrong you don't have to sell your securities. I don't got to be right about the market tomorrow. I got to be right about the market 10 years from now. I like my chances. Mm.
0: Mm. Talk that talk, bro. I like that. Um, so when it comes to books, right? Yeah. You got a lot of books. Um, what are some of the books that if people want to kind of start to change their mindset with certain things with money with finances and stuff like that? What are some of the books that you would recommend?
1: Uh, first book is The Richest Man in Babylon by George Klesian. That's this book right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, look look how small this is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. 180 pages or something. This is I've bought this book for multiple people. Um, it has no numbers. It has no formulas. It's written in story form. That book was written in the early 1900s, and it's still as powerful as it is you know, I read it every single year. Um, and mm-hmm. that's why if, you, if anybody's ever watched any of my videos or anything like that, I always end with a part of all that you earn is yours to keep. That's where that's the book I get it from. So that's, that's the one I would recommend. Um, I have a few over here that I put. Um, you know, you have Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? That's just a classic that everybody knows. Um, you have Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That's this one over here. Um, one that people don't know is The Wealthy Barber. Um, by uh, Dave Chilton that is mm-hmm. a really good book it's also written in story form um, and it goes into more up-to-date topics than necessarily The Richest Man in, in Babylon does um, but mm-hmm. that's an excellent book on finance um, and then I put another one here uh, A Random Walk Down Wall Street
0: mm-hmm. for
1: those of you who, who like who want to invest for those of you who like to invest that's the book that I would recommend that you guys buy Um, Because Mm. it gives you an honest um, dialogue about investing. It tells the truth. That's one of the few books in all my studying of finance, right? MBA in finance, all this kind of crap. That's one of the few books that tell you the absolute truth about investing, which is this. You choosing stocks every single year or you choosing stocks every single day or whatever usually it's not going to beat the market over the long term. So your best bet is to just probably index over time. Um, but if I had to pick a book that I would give to somebody right now and say, please mm-hmm. read this, is The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson. By far, I read it. I, I, like I said, I bought it for so many people at this point. That's the best one. Got you. So Mel said the science of getting rich is, is good too. I heard about that one. Yep
0: okay so so let me ask you just about you as far as um you know you being a finance coach and things like that um so how, like so how can some like if somebody wanted to approach you and, and said, hey, man, um, how are you a finance coach like, like like how do you like how do people book you for that? how do people kind of work with you like what do they got to do
1: I mean, just reach out to me, you know what I'm saying I'm usually mm-hmm. just you know reach out to me in my d m or or you know I mean, that's probably the easiest way to do it, is just say, hey, you know, I have a question. A lot of time, people just have questions, right? Um, mm-hmm. What we try to do, um, at least from my perspective, is to try to give the game as much as I can so that you may not even need me. Again, Terrence is probably going to roll his eyes because that's not helping me. But that's the whole point of this, right? The whole point of it is to give the game away so that you can do it yourself. Have you noticed that everything we're talking about is simple? Mm-hmm. You know... It's funny, I uh,
0: you know, I roll, I roll my eyes at you sometimes, but I, but I struggle with the same thing because this whole, I created this whole thing to give this joint away for free, right? Like this whole thing that I'm doing is so I can get people on like yourself and people who have knowledge of what their fields are, whether that be employment, HR, recruiting, yeah. um, mental health, like anything that that you know, it's to give it away for 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 free. So as much as I roll, roll my eyes at you, um. I struggle with the same thing because, you know, the community needs it. Um, we need different resources and, and we need people like you um, that are willing um, to give this joint away for free. But I, I will say, if you are going to work with somebody on a consistent basis.
1: Yeah, then you. Bless, yeah.
0: bless them, pay, you know, pay like, you know, like let's not get, let's not get crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, um, is what I'm saying. But tell them where they can find you as far as YouTube. Uh, I want people to follow you. I mean, you're blowing up out here, but, you know, just, just tell them where they can find you.
1: No, so um, on YouTube, it's uh, Debt Free Joel, the same handle as as Instagram. Um, I, I put a ton of information out there on, on Instagram in particular about finance, whether it be investing, whether it be um, savings, whether it be being charitable, um, try to make it somewhat humorous sometimes because, you know, who wants to sit there and just talk about numbers all day long? Um, mm-hmm. but that's the that's the overall goal. On YouTube, I try to do some of the longer videos. Um, like I said, I give kudos to to you know Terrence for this. This is all his fault. Um he randomly <laughs> asked me one day to do a live and we just sat there and argued for an hour and we're like, well, you know what, we should do this again. <laughs> so it, it just happened and, that way. Yeah. I think I think the most important thing about finance in particular for everybody, and let's not lose sight of this. Um, is that your mental health is as important as anything you're going to do in terms of your finances. So, you know, find someone who's going to hold you accountable, find someone who's going to cheer you on. Um, That's one of the things I try to do, at least on my page is, you know, you try to hold people accountable. You try to, to cheer people on, you try to just say, look, man, we're all in the struggle together, especially as black people. Um, Mm -hmm. We need to, we need to support each other doing that. So that's what I try to do. I try to give the game away um, either on YouTube, on on um, Instagram at debt free um, and like I said, it, the the handle is is real. Like that's a re- I'm 100% debt free. Um, I don't have one for Facebook yet, and but I'll, I'll get one soon. Um, but yeah, for for now, like you know, at debt free if you ever have any questions as it pertains to finance or, and I, I you know my resume is pretty deep, so there's usually I, I can usually get you an answer on basically anything.
0: Hmm. Um, and that's definitely, um, dope that, that you're like a resource for everybody. And I appreciate you. Um, you know what I'm saying? Because not many people want to give this stuff away for free without (laughs) saying, Hey, I'll I'll give you this nugget, but I'm going to need X, Y, Z back. Right. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people are, are in it to get money and things like that. Um, but you're somebody who's very unselfish. You know what I'm saying. So I definitely say I appreciate you, bro. Give you flowers while you are still here, man, because that's super important. You don't have to. You don't. Like, you don't have to do what you're doing. It's a lot of work. People think you get up and you just make YouTube videos and edit them and stuff like that. And it's yo, know, it's it's a lot of work. Like people think they see me up here and, and, and it's like, oh, like you got the show and it's great and I, and that's all you do. But yo, no, after this. I gotta do a bunch of editing. I gotta sit down. I gotta you know I mean? pump this stuff out, slice stuff, get it done, right? Like, this stuff takes work, but if it can impact people, our people, anybody that's gonna listen, then then that's that's why we do it, and that's why you're so special. So I definitely appreciate you, bro. Thank you. You know, you're my resident finance person. You my resident guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get Britt on here, too. Um, Probably, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, you're you're my resident finance guy, you know what I'm saying? Uh because you like you are just that dope and just that amazing, bro. So again, appreciate you. Um, Mel said your abundance will be returned to you since you have such a generous heart. I don't know. See, like and that's and, and that's a hundred percent truth, bro. Yeah. Um so listen, bro, we we're gonna do it again, as usual. Yeah, I and mean, different topic. Oh, topic might topic might be a little crazy next time. Um, but we're gonna talk offline about that. Um yeah, listen, man, I appreciate you. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Love I, always, bro.
1: No, absolutely. And like I said, if, if, I, if you guys take one thing from this, take, you know, two. One is a part of all that you earn is yours to keep. The second is don't be afraid to ask for help, whether mentally or emotionally or physically or financially.
0: Period. Period. And, you know, the one thing that I am glad about, um, the one thing that I am glad about is that people are seeing is that us men, can get on here and talk about stuff like this. Yep. And that's something that I really was important to me too, um, was to hear, to provide a platform, even for men to talk about finance, for men to talk about mental health, to talk about emotions and and expression and vulnerability. That's why... I wanted this to happen, you know what I'm saying? Because the, the women have led the way for a long time and I salute to them always. But, you know, it's time for us, you know, it's time for us to get in the game. It's time for us to really, you know, take the baton and run with it, man. You know what I'm saying? Because these are the things that we need to talk about. And these are the things that we need to educate our, our people on. You know what I'm saying? So with leaders like yourself, you know what I'm saying? The world's in good hands with people like you, bro. I appreciate it. You know it. what I'm saying? So, you listen, man, salute to you, bro. Thank you, man.
1: Absolutely. Nice yeah. Catch you on the other side. You already know. All right, brother, be good
0: All right, bro. Peace. That's a wrap. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Man, it's always dope talking about finance. Um, Tune in, man, next week. It's going to be episode 10. Stay tuned to what that subject is going to be about. Um, But we always have an amazing time here talking about some critical things for our community. Yo, listen, man, it's your boy T-Tell. I salute to y'all. I appreciate y'all, man. I will see y'all next week.